Hi, I'm Adam. And I'm Rob. And welcome to Screen the Bucket. Yeah, Yay. the show where we look back on some of our best bits. Yes, and did you realise, because I completely forgot, last show was our year anniversary. Really? Yeah. This is the 27th Stream Bucket, so the 26th is a whole year. So we had the opportunity to do the year anniversary thing, it's gone. It's gone, we just missed it. Pass it by. Done. Because we're, you know, we're chilled out sort of people, don't make a fuss, Blase. you know. Yeah, so welcome to the second year of uh, Screen Bucket. Yeah, wow, I can't believe it. Wait, a year. That is kind of crazy, because I've been here, I've done every show, yeah. every week, every other week. And that's madness. It has gone very fast. Really fast. What do you remember about our first show? Well, I mean, we did a pilot episode, which yep. was never aired, although I think bits appeared later on. We talked about Jurassic Park. Yeah, we? which never... I don't think that ever went out. So we can do Jurassic Park again one day? Yeah. People want to hear Jurassic Park, surely. I mean, could put it into this one. Yeah. It's not too late to uh, Shove pop in that some... in. Mm. Yeah. Why not then? So for our year anniversary show, at plus one, uh, let's play some unheard stuff. Ooh. This goes against everything Screened Bucket stands for. But, uh, well, uh, life, uh, mine's away. <laughs> Very good. Mm-hmm. I can do an impression of Jeff Goldblum. Go on then. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, clever that. Very good. Do, from uh, left field. Do an impression of the Velociraptor in the plane from Jurassic Park 3. Alan! <laughs> Pass me the peanuts, Alan. David! <laughs> Alan! Imagine the Velociraptor oh. Oh. and Jeff Goblin's dad from Independence Day yelling at each other across a plane. It's his boss, anyway. Not his dad, is it? This is... His dad would be... Oh, oh, no. Yeah. oh no, I... David, no. David. <laughs> My allergies. Okay, so his boss... And a Velociraptor are yelling at each other from across the plane, trying to wake up Sam Neil. Okay, alright, alright. Okay. No, no. Wait, the Velociraptor is trying to wake up Dr. Alan Grant. Uh-huh. The Velociraptor is also called David. <laughs> okay. And Jeff Goblin's boss is shouting at... Okay, I'm ready, I'm ready, let's do it. Okay. Well, David! Wait, who's who? You're the Velociraptor. Okay, alright. David! Alan! David! Alan! David! Alan! David! Alan, there's a man here. David! Alan, I don't like this man. David, stop trying to wake up. I'm trying to wake up, Dr. Grant. <laughs> Doc, Dr. Grant is trying to sleep. Alan, his name is Alan. He has to try and save the boy from the park in three hours. Let him sleep. <laughs> Alan. David! Can you, turn the, can you turn the air vent down? It's very cold in here, Alan. Oh, yes, it is very cold in here, of course. Uh, David! <laughs> oh, God. Okay, well, welcome to the show, everyone. Yes. <laughs> We're losing our minds Great, already. Fantastic. Yeah, no, it's good. <laughs> uh, all right, well, yes. So we're, we're going to talk about Jurassic Park, including uh, Jurassic Park 3, which happens to be one of our favourite uh, terrible sequels ever. Oh, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> I, and uh, apart from, even apart from Alan. Apart from Alan. The best bit of any Jurassic Park film ever. It's also better than Jurassic World. Yeah, 100%. As I think we even talk about towards the end of the, the discussion. Jurassic Park 3 blows Jurassic World 1 and 2 out of the freaking water. Yeah, Jurassic World even rips off Jurassic Park 3. With which bit? The giant... Bigger than a T-Rex. Oh, yeah. It's, and they even say the line in it. Yeah. It's bigger than a T-Rex. Yeah, the Spinosaurus was, mate. So, yes. Yeah. And phone. Amazing. Uh, Beautiful bit yeah. of writing. Can you remember it? Yeah. Oh, we're spoiling the discussion yeah, later right, on. Yeah, all right, yeah. Go yes. Sorry. That's to look forward to. Um, also, how are you feeling, Robert? Uh, good. Okay, you've got over it quicker than I have. I've been feeling like rubbish. Oh, of course, yeah, you have. You have. Uh, I'm still a little bit sweaty and clammy now, which will explain the uh, the last couple minutes of the radio broadcast. It does. <laughs> but uh, yeah, not just me. It seems like the weather's instantly gone cold, and loads of people have just fallen like flies. Hmm. It's everyone at the office in the office are complaining and calling in sick and so forth. Oh, I haven't really noticed that, but lots of people I've seen moaning on Twitter and stuff. So that is a thing. It's a thing. Uh, 
So for that reason, the first discussion we'll have this week's show will be Contagion. Yes. Which you really didn't want to do. No, I didn't, because I thought it was a silly theme, and I was in a grumpus mood, because it was January, which is the worst month of the year. Was yeah. it January? Yeah. It would have been, yeah. It and was I, when the sickness came. Because I was trying to argue with you that we should watch something warm and cosy. Yeah, like every other film we'd yeah, selected. Yeah, every other freaking film. <laughs> and maybe I was going for something like Labyrinth or something, which we should totally do one day. Well, we should definitely do Dark Crystal. Because I don't like the girlflings. Don't like the girlflings. That's why we should talk about it. Yeah, don't make me watch it. Because we've got the film. It's don't, relevant. Don't want to have nightmares. It's up to date. True. Pop true, culture. True, true, true. But anyway, we're uh, we're still going to be doing the compilation for a couple more weeks uh, while we get our film closer to being completed. Mm-hmm. So for those who haven't heard us before, um, myself and Rob are filmmakers. We are making a short horror comedy film that's become a bit of a beast. A bit of a beast. A bit of a beast. So, uh, yeah, we're focusing on that while... Well, before we get to the autumn months, which is where Stream Bucket truly shines. Yes, and it's coming. I can already smell it in the air. I can taste... I've been genuinely thinking about pumpkin pies. Yes. I'll make some more. I you made some last year, didn't you? It was delicious. I and I'm, I was even talking to someone at work who suggested I do those little cupcake-type ones. Ooh. Little one Yes. Yes. Mmm. Anyway, that's not yet. We're still in the back-to-school period. If we were still on, do some sort of school film. Yeah, but we're not. But we're not, so... so... Screw it, have some old stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, any other news? Uh, uh, you, well, you just showed me a freaking horrifying trailer <laughs> for Itsy Bitsy. Itsy Bitsy. Out on Blu-ray on the 1st of October. So it looks like... I mean, if you're talking about non-B-movie spider films, you had Arachnophobia, Eight-Legged Freaks. I mean, Eight-Legged Freaks is a, is a gold a, standard of uh, it's a, of silly monster movies. Yeah. But it, it was when David Arquette was sort of loved. Yeah, it was where, at his peak. Where did it fall in the stream franchise? I think Eight-Legged Freaks, was it 2001? Should have been. I don't know for but, sure. Well, I don't care. Um... <laughs> So it would have fallen after Scream yeah. 3? Oh, good, great. But yeah, so this Itsy Bitsy looks like the latest horrible people are trapped in a house of spiders film. But it's funny because <laughs> I hadn't seen it, but I know Rob's a bit more freaked out by spiders than I am. Uh, and halfway through this trailer, uh, turn from genuine joy watching this trailer of a fun-looking horror film to absolute terror. It didn't need to go into bed. It didn't need to crawl into the bed. You saw a freaking thorax yeah. sliding up into the bed. And then she's looking in the mirror and she's looking for her pills and stuff. And you think she's going to shut the mirror and a spider's going to be there. Yep. And then, no, straight, bird's eye view shot. It's in the bar! Sorry. It's in the it's in the bath and she can't see and it's massive. Oh, I can't wait. I'm going to buy it. We're going to put it on. Hold your eyes open like Clockwork Orange. But it's good because it will be terrifying because it's not CGI. They look real. They, look like they can touch you. Uh, yeah, I think there's a clever mix of CGI models. There's right. definitely one bit that was miniature. Right. in the egg. But yeah. Right. Yeah, that looks good. Look it up. Itsy Bitsy. Mm. It's coming out on Blu-ray in October. Yes. Aha, uh-huh, aha. Uh-huh. Anyway. Well, we might as well get on with the show. Let's do it. Let's, Let's get on. kick off with the theme to Casualty. Yay! Okay, okay, quiet on the set. We premiere in three, two, one. You're listening to Screen Bucket with Adam and Rob. You have one message. Message one. Uh, g'day, g'day, is that Screen Bucket? It's your main bro, PJ Jackson, uh, calling from Auckland, New Zealand. I'm bleeding done with making all of these movies. You know, they just made me make a film about houses and cities that walk along the land. And I'm, I really am fed up. And I was having an idea where we go into the New Zealand sea, where all those grab-wired sharks are... And we uh, put a load of extras in the sea and give them Lord of the Rings 
weapons like swords and spears and like Urukai armor and then they have to fight the great white sharks in the water is that something that maybe you guys at Screenbucket would be interested in if so please give me a call back good day mate anyway take it easy John go and that was from the soundtrack of contagion what a great film yeah, all right, it was good. It was good. It was good. <laughs> Rob's been really genuinely hating the idea of discussing this one. I, I, was, just, I was genuinely hating the idea of watching it. Because I thought, <laughs> if we do a comfort one, we can watch a Studio Ghibli. Or we can watch something like the Goonies. warm and cosy. Like the Goonies. the Goonies. We could watch that. But no, you had me watch a thing where everyone dies, and it's awful, <laughs> and it scares you a bit. And then... It's yeah. perfect flu season film. Yeah. Well, I one would argue it's the opposite of that. <laughs> no, it makes you it puts you on edge. So when you leave the house, you look at everyone and you what have you touched? Stop touching things. Don't touch me. Yeah. Yeah. Don't touch your face. Did you know the average person touches their face 5000 times a day? I didn't until now. <laughs> now really? I know that. Really? Yeah. 5000 times. And they touch what else do they touch? Like toilet seats, money, money. Everyone's touched your money. Yeah. Hmm. So you know we're fine. And remember that the whole thing about the McDonald's screen. That is overblown nonsense. There's poo on it. There's not poo on There's it. There's poo on it. It said on the internet. It said so on the internet. The internet lied. It's hmm. just bacteria found in poo. Where else is it found? McDonald's screens. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. <laughs> yes. Contagion. Do you want me to? I'll tell you what. I read. Are we? I'll read my notes. Oh yeah, read your notes. Let's, let's hear the plot, shall we? You've written in that book upside down, you know? I, Yeah, because I'm going to turn it that way for film production notes. And this way for... Yeah. See? Sorry. It's free. I'm so sorry for judging you. I'll go on. Yes. Right. Here are my notes. Paltrow, Fishburne, Law, Damon. Everyone starts getting well ill. Paltrow gets proper sick. It came from Hong Kong. London's infected too. They gave Gwyneth Paltrow an autopsy in front of my very eyes. Kate Winslet. Naysayer lady cares more about the shopping. <laughs> Brian Cranston is very concerned. Interrogated by the UN and the British want them to hurry up. Why is no one listening to the science man? Why is no one listening to the science man? Jude Law is Steve Irwin. The daughter of the mayor from Jaws comes to moan about the budget. And that was my least favourite character, which I'll get into by the way. Yes. And, okay, it got good when Matt Damon's neighbours get shot. <laughs> and then I ended it with Idiot Boyfriend. Okay. So and that's the film. Nice. Nice. So you can tell from that, one hell of a cast. Yeah, amazing cast. You can't deny the cast. It's the Black Hawk Down of flu films. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, written and directed by uh, Steven Soderbergh. Yep. What else has he done? I can't remember. What do you want from me? He's the director of Magic Mike. And the Oceans Trilogy. And Logan Lucky. And Unsane. Mm. He's quite a prolific guy, actually. Um, done a lot of dramas and things. I think even Contagion... Yeah, it came out of the idea of doing a film about the getting rid of smallpox. The eradication of smallpox. Right. Uh, and obviously someone just got a cold or something and decided to change it into... a. A flu thing. I think they were researching it when the bird flu came in because they mention it H1N1. Yeah, talk about it quite a lot. Um, which is 2009 flu epidemic, which was a terrifying time. Yes, it was, and that it's very heavily reminiscent of that. I think it is. So yeah. So what what's the actual plot? How does the film start? Um, a bat flies into a pig, and right, yeah. they get married, and their offspring is a germ, and the germ infects loads of people. Um, people start dying on the spot and fitting and no one knows what to do and we follow several different people's journeys throughout it don't we we've got like Kate yeah. Winslet is a science lady Lawrence Fishburne is a science man yeah it's very heavily on the science behind trying to find the cure trying to mm. track down the infected people right lock them down and then we have Matt Damon's role he's like the civilian who's kind of caught up in it all but he's yes. immune so I I I imagine his role in it is specifically to put a point of view from 
from the the real world, not yeah, just the offices yeah. and the people are worrying about it. You've got that sort of. It's true, and I would have liked more of that because the film. There's not a huge amount to talk about because it really is step by step trying to uncover virus and things. So Kate Winslet runs about a bit around the world. Yep. And, and then at some point she starts sniffling. Really it's quite grim. Indeed. And then you've got Jude Law, who's an interesting character. You've got who's a reporter who's kind of anti-government trying to say, I've got this cure. They're not pushing this. Why aren't you taking this cure? They're, sl- they're being slow as hell trying to sort yeah. this problem out. They're looking after themselves. Why don't you listen to me? And Yes. So, yeah. Does it, it sort of opens with... Uh, what's his name in it? Matt Damon. Matt Damon. In this case, it's Mitch Emhoff. And he... So, first, his wife collapses, has a fit, hmm. gets carted away uh, to hospital... Then he goes back and finds his stepson has also got it. Yes. So very quickly, his life's gone wrong. Indeed. And um, then he finds out that she was been an unfaithful wife. Is that a spoiler? No. All right. Uh, <laughs> that happens very early on. All right, fair enough. Uh, he then basically gets arrested um, and taken in because of the deaths around him. Gets interrogated by... Kate Winslet? Yeah, she's trying to work out... He's oblivious to yeah, the scale of what's going on. And I think she's just trying to pick up clues as to where this came from. And yeah, so they find out that she's been in Chicago. So they go off to Chicago, find an epidemic starting to happen there. Yeah, it's a railroad of disasters. They just can't contain this uh, growing virus, this flu-like virus that's just wiping you out. So I was looking to see what um, other people thought of it. And some people regard it as one of the most terrifying horror films they've ever seen. And I, f- I wonder if that's down to the fact that purely, maybe people are watching this thinking this is exactly what would happen. This is the scale of panic. Yeah. This is how, I suppose, if so many people were dying that you lost law enforcement, you lost doctors, uh, foods, mass food shortages, everything. Yeah, people are probably thinking, oh my God, this is exactly what was what would happen. This is how people would act. This is the terror that would yeah. take well, over the world. It's, it's interesting because they, they refer to H1N1. They sort of say how they overdid it. They made a bigger deal out of it than it actually was. And so when they start revealing it to the public, they're saying the same thing. We'd rather everyone know about it and panic than everyone die and we didn't do anything. Exactly, yeah. It does feel slightly unrealistic how much happens so quickly. Because they start locking the borders down. Yeah, they really go into town. They run out of body bags at one point, they mentioned. Yeah, the one... They the... dig mass graves, like, 20 foot from the city. Do you tell? Do you tell? And to the countryside. Did you ever play Pandemic? No. It's a browser game and later an app where you were making a virus to wipe out all... Oh, I remember, I remember you playing it, I think. Yeah, it's, it's good fun. But one of the things you learn in it is that you shouldn't make a virus that kills people straight away because then there's no one left to infect everyone. So you need to keep it going. You need to have a long process. You need to maintain the virus. So you infect more people, then you start. That's one thing in this. People just drop. Being This is like the flu equivalent of a machine gun. You just mow people down. Yeah, I just mentioned the character that I just rolled my eyes so fast that they span out of my skull. Yeah. Do you remember the film Jaws? Yeah. Steven Spielberg? I think I remember it. Do you remember it's about a shark? Is it? Yeah. Anyway, there's a mayor in it. And there's a killer shark in the ocean. Yeah. And the mayor is all, We mustn't close the beaches! It's the summer season. We're going to lose all our trade, the shops. And you're thinking, okay, this, you can't, you've got to close the beaches, mate. Yeah. That's about a shark in the ocean. Yeah, yeah. In this film, there is a virus that could end up being as harmful to the planet as the freaking plague. <laughs> yeah. And there's a woman saying, what are you talking about? It's the height of the shopping season. 
we can't do that. It's, uh, yeah. And you think, oh, come on. There's a few things like that. And then, no, she comes out again later and she, like, they're just picking out, like, a massive gym hall yeah. where they're going to put the sick and the dying and the dead inevitably. Yeah, yeah. And then she just rolls out of a car and says, I suppose we're paying for this, are we? It's like, <laughs> what? I think that's quite, that, if anything, is the most realistic part of it. Oh, I, I don't know. That's is what it? people are paid to do, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I, I hate I it. so see that. Oh, I hope not, man. I have a lot of... Oh, should I have that much faith? Maybe you're right, maybe not. Uh, there will always be someone like that. Uh, mm. One character I really genuinely loved, on the flip side to that, Lawrence Fishburne. Yes. I love Lawrence Fishburne, basically anything he's in. And when he popped up, I was quite excited. I even messaged you. Lawrence Fishburne! <laughs> yeah, straight away. There we go. Yeah. He plays the sort of down-to-earth scientist who's just trying to save people. Yeah, and then he gets thrown under the bus, doesn't he? He does. There's a lot... Yeah, there's so much to this. Because on the surface, you've got a bunch of scientists trying to track down a virus to stop it killing people. Or at least to pick it up so they can start investigating it. Then you've got all the political stuff. And then you've got all the military stuff. You've got the closing the borders. Then you've got bloody Mitch Man trying to get out with his daughter before they shut down the state. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's as if... You've got, you've got a scientist gets kidnapped by a Chinese bloke. Yeah, what? Oh, my God, that's just completely... Because he wants... Her... I mean, I didn't even understand. So he wanted her to look after the villagers like he and got, stop them from getting... He got his whole village into... All the survivors, all the uninfected into one building. Right. And kidnapped a scientist so that she can get, get them the vaccine when it eventually comes around. What? Yeah, I didn't understand that. It's really weird. And it's pointless. I thought it was a bit pointless. And then it was, by the end, it was pointless. Because uh, the the vaccines come and then... They trade the vaccines for the scientists, but they give them a placebo. Mm. And she storms... Yeah. It, a lot going on there. So Also, like, say you've got Jude Law, who's trying to undermine the government. You could tell... You could have three different films, couldn't you? You could actually have a series. Yeah, it would work very well as a series. It would work better as a series. Yes, it would. The bit where I kind of really got into it for just a heartbeat mm. was when Matt Damon Matt Damon hears the gunshots from across the road yes. looks out the window and he sees that some people have raided his neighbour's house yeah, yeah. they're walking out and it got me thinking imagine an entire film of like a guy and his daughter on the streets kind of be like War of the Worlds I guess Logan yeah Maggie uh, there's also a bit when they're try- he's trying to find a he goes to his family lot to bury his wife and son, and they oh. refuse to take the bodies. Another sobering thought. Little things, little horrible that, details that, you wouldn't think of. That's interesting. Yeah, that really was like, huh? No, they wouldn't. Yeah. He's infected, so they start talking like cremation. And then he goes to the shop with his daughter, and everything's gone. Everyone's kicking off. Yeah. Right, proper riots and raids and stuff. And then that like diseased woman is in the shop, isn't she? Yeah. And she like goes up to him. Help me! Could you find me another pack of these? <laughs> Get the hell away from me! Don't touch anything! Yeah. And they run out. That's where you try to leave the. Oh, there's just so much to it. It's insane. But I, I just did. Yeah. I don't like it, man. The, well, there's one thing that really this and this sort of delves on that. The pacing is weird. It is because the end is very stupidly so long. But it's the whole. The first half, it's them trying to track down the virus to find a vaccine to cure the people. It's really tense and like, ah, come on, we need to go to Hong Kong now. Oh, we need to go back to Chicago. Ah, where do we go? And then they find the vaccine. And then nothing happens. Which is kind of interesting in a way because it, it then becomes a question, who gets the vaccine? It's going to take a year to manufacture enough. So who gets it first? Which is interesting. But then it just goes on. Endless. Endless. The last 45 minutes, I was like, is it over yet? It's like the end of Return of the King, but bad. <laughs> yeah, well, well, Return of the King had multiple endings. One ending over about an hour. Yeah. I didn't like the boyfriend plot either. I didn't. So there was this, it was heavily hinted that at one point or another, the boyfriend is going to try and touch the girlfriend. Yes. The, the daughter. Which, which daughter the yeah. Damon daughter. Yes. And, and you're just Demon Dottier, <laughs> a fragrance yeah, yeah. by Demion. <laughs> 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 
Yeah, and you just know, and it, those things irk me in a film when they set something up like that. When you think, oh, okay, there's going to be a time when the boyfriend's going to touch the girlfriend or come into close contact. She's going to get a disease. She's going to die. Luckily, that doesn't come to pass. Otherwise, I would have just turned it off. But, yeah, you know what? It was a good film. It was much better than I thought it was. It's um, going to be. It's solid, solid misery porn. Indeed. Is what yeah. it is. Every, just, it's just drilling into you that everyone's going to die. Life is horrible. Oh, dear. Oh, yeah. dear. Buy a load of tinned food and be ready to, you know, yeah, fortify true. your yeah. place of living. Bring your blindfold. Yeah. That's a reference you won't get. Nope. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, if they just took a handkerchief... It would all be fine. Yeah. Coughs and sneezes spread diseases. You have one message. Message one. Hello. Lord Sinus here. Come to haunt your nasal passages. Yes. Dream bucket won't be the same when I'm around. <laughs> but I can hear that Adam is tucked hidden in a little box. Good. That's what I like. It definitely wasn't because Adam accidentally put the wrong setting on the microphone. No! Now, I'm going to block every passage. I'm going to stand in the way of the door and... Uh, oh, no! Oh, oh, no! It's my nemesis! I'm Lord Beecham. I've come to save the day. Screen Bucket, you're safe with me around, don't you worry. Now come here, Sinus. Hot diggity dog, it's Screen Bucket with Adam and Raoul. So, Adam, I want to talk about a bunch of movies that are about as close to my heart as any of them. Okay. And that would be the Jurassic Park franchise. Okay. Yes. What are your thoughts on Jurassic Park? As a franchise? Yeah. Uh, Well, I I like it. I think it's good. Um, Like everyone else our age, uh, Jurassic Park, the first one, was monumentally important. Absolutely. And close to our hearts. Uh, Jurassic Park, I, I distinctly remember the first time I watched it. I was with my whole family... And I was petrified. I must have been five, six, seven. What scared you most, the Velociraptors or the T-Rex? The T-Rex. Yeah, 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 good answer. Uh, Possibly because I didn't know what was going on with the Velociraptors at the time. Yeah. But the scene when it bursts through... Spoilers. When the scene when the dinosaur bursts out of its cage in 1993's Jurassic Park. Do you know what I read about that? Is that apparently it malfunctioned or something when they were in there? So it wasn't actually meant to go through the glass, and it did. Something oh, like yes. No, yeah. So, yeah. So what the scene is, hmm. there's a big storm. Tim and Lex are... The uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex bursts through the metal cables, because yep. electrical cables have gone down. And it's that awesome sound. The, I can't even... Pew, yeah. Pew, yeah. Pew. yeah. Love, absolutely love that noise. Yeah. Uh, the sound design's amazing. And suddenly, in this, these flashes of lightning, from the perspective of the people in the... The cars in Jurassic Park, they witness a bloody huge Tyrannosaurus Rex. Something that the audience through. at the time would have been waiting for to see real since films started, I would imagine. Since those first oh. really rubbish dinosaur claymation things from the 1920s. And looking back at it, still holds up. The graphics are amazing. But yes, no, that's uh, so the T-Rex comes out and it starts chomping about. Hmm. And the bit you were talking about with the malfunction, there's a point when it it's supposed to be attacking the children in the car. And you'll remember this if you've seen the film, which I'm sure you will have. And it, uh, the children are looking up at this roaring dinosaur through the plexiglass roof, and it goes for them. The mistake that happened was the plastic glass in the film comes away and almost crushes the children. And their screaming is genuinely real. I mean, is there anything more traumatising as a child, seeing this robotic malfunctioning T-Rex coming down upon you? What the fact they just kept filming it? That's... Don't don't see him much anymore, and I wonder if, you know, they can't fit the film in between the shrink. (laughs) Maybe 
Maybe they're lost forever. So, so yeah, so that, that scene traumatised me as a kid. So much so that as a child, every time it had there was a storm, a thunder and lightning storm, I would sit at the window and watch for two Tyrannosaurus Rexes. Just really? in case. Yes. Really? And I swear, you know, I've got this vivid... I probably dreamt about it, that they would be stomping about, kicking over cars. Awful. Do you know, I got that... I think more from the Lost World Jurassic Park, especially when, because I had a dog at the time. There's a bit where the T-Rex awakens off of the boat in the Lost World, comes onto the streets of San Diego and goes on a rampage. And it comes to this suburban little area and there's this kid in this house and he's trying to convince his parents that there's a dinosaur in the garden and the (laughs) T-Rex gets his dog and eats it. And that traumatised me more than anything, I think. (laughs) Do you know what would have been worse? So if they were looking out the window and the dog leg <laughs> just <laughs> slid down there. <laughs> there's a call back to the goat yeah yeah uh, yeah. I, I can get that I, I I wonder if I didn't see Lost World till later because I don't have any positive memories about it oh I love at it all. I absolutely love it I especially lo- that bloody girl oh what the gymnast oh. who manages to impale a velociraptor oh. yeah oh. Furious. What I do have good, clear memories of is going to see Jurassic Park 3 oh, yes. in Penrith Cinema in the Lake District. Oh my word, I adore that film. It's fantastic. Every, I, well, yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't agree. Mm. A lot of people say it's the worst film ever. But I absolutely love it. I love how dumb it is. How stupid it is. Well, how on earth could you find Jurassic Park 3 dumb? What? I don't know... What do people don't like about it? There is a sense of humour to it, more so than the other films, I would say. Maybe that's it. Do you think that's deliberate? And I'm, I'm sure we're talk, thinking of the exact same scene here. Mm. Alan. Alan. <laughs> if you're having a dream sequence, if you're having a dream sequence in a serious dinosaur movie, don't make a velociraptor be sat in a seat yeah. and say... Alan, <laughs> you got any peanuts? <laughs> no, I love it, and um, I I talk fondly about the device of having the mobile phone uh, within the big scary Spinosaurus. That's the one. That's the yeah. one. I I love that so much. That's great. They just freeze when they hear it. And yeah. um, that said, the last time I saw it. I remember the humour and I remember the fun. There are some really good sequences in it. Mm. And little moments like, uh, obviously, the uh, pterodactyl cage. Yeah. bird cage. Yeah, fantastic. That, they're terrifying. Yeah. They were never seen before, so I suppose that was part mm. of it was the new thing. Um, what I also love is uh, there's that one moment when they're in a, uh, a lab, a warehouse or something, and it's abandoned or smashed up. Yeah. And uh, one of the characters is looking into the glass tubes that are all broken. Yeah. All I, 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 yeah, yeah. It's it Tia must Le- be like fetuses or something. Tia Leone is looking at the big yeah. Yeah, tanks. And then she looks into one and sees a velociraptor head. Yeah. And she looks closer at it and then its eye moves. It's yeah. not in the tank. It's behind the tank. Oh, my God. Like, awesome. That's yeah, brilliant. I fantastic. love that. I love that so much. Yeah. I like the bit where... Uh, they're trying to take off in the plane again before they crash it. And mm-hmm. then uh, one of... The, this is what Jurassic World lacks and oh, Jurassic yes. World 2 is the... They all they all go for these hipster sort of mid-twenties characters who are a bit quirky and fun when really you need adult henchmen who make really good fodder for the dinosaurs to be. Yeah, there totally. was, There's not enough of that. And there's a bit where a guy in Jurassic Park 3, the guy runs on the motorway when they're taking off and he's crying his eyes out. He's begging them to stop the plane he's waving his arms around no please and then all of a sudden glimpse of the spinosaurus runs out of the bush and eats him and blood sprays up on the plane window and you think fantastic yeah and they made, they, made emotion. A, they made a lego set out of that did they yeah they did oh my god fantastic <laughs> it's amazing yeah and uh it just crossed my mind as well Jurassic Park 3 is the one where the velociraptors leave traps yeah and then and am I getting them mixed up did they snap a guy's neck rather than eat him just because yeah. they're done with him? Yeah. Was that? There's it. Um, he, yeah, he is the trap, isn't he? And they yeah. go to get him, and then they almost fall out of the tree. Yeah. And then the velociraptor digs its silly claw into his back, and then 
picks him up by the neck and then breaks it. Yeah. Yeah, like, what? Yeah. And this leads into the whole thing that Velociraptors could, if they survived, would be the sentient species now. Yeah, absolutely. There's a whole sort of thing recurring. Um, this was, I think this was introduced in three more than the others. Definitely. The yeah. first two, they were clever, but the third one, they're like, no, they can mm. communicate. And, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I love it. Uh, Just about one is still the best. Yeah. And that's yeah, why definitely. I think when they soft rebooted it, they just sort of went back to mm. scratch, didn't they? Yeah, and the thing with Jurassic World, as much you know, criticism as it gets, it finally delivered what so many of us wanted to see, a fully functional dinosaur theme park, which was brilliant. It was a brilliant opening. It was brilliant seeing the holograms as they came in. It was brilliant seeing the little uh, toddler, like baby dinosaur ride theme park mm. and seeing them all, you know, all the audience gathering around the T-Rex feeding on the goat. But I just don't understand why they had to make up a new dinosaur. I hated that. Well... It's- the Spinus, they already did it. This, yeah. this is what bothers me. Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, they do, it's all the same stuff. Mm. Jurassic World, just, nah, I keep getting mixed up. Jurassic Park 3 introduced the Spinosaurus. It already did that as a the the big, bigger, badder big bad, thing. Yeah. And they just ignored that. Well, the thing is, is, especially if you're a proper dinosaur fan, you know that there is an absolute near infinite number of amazing new dinosaurs they can choose from which yeah. are bigger than a T-Rex you've got Giganotosaurus and the so? like Giganotosaurus Gigalonotosaurus that is going to be our next porn film <laughs> well with that in mind let's, uh, let's cue our second song yes uh, which uh, is this one Quiet on the set Hope you got your popcorn and large soda ready, because you're listening to Scream Bucket with Adam and Rob. Please, sir. What is it, boy? Please, can you sponsor us? What? You could sponsor a show on North Hearts FM that's made for the community, by the community. And let us... Keep making great content. We're a fledgling station, but one with over 10,000 listeners a month. And it keeps growing. And what's in it for me? Five adverts a day, sir. Plus, the world will get to see your branding at live events, online, and be proudly displayed alongside the show you choose to sponsor on all online content. Plus, on-air mentions and branding. It won't even be taken out of the shows on Listen Again, so your brand will be out there forever. Then how much is that going to cost me? Only £360 a year, sir. Or £30 a month if you just want to run adverts instead of a full sponsor. It isn't more? No, sir. Just head to northartsfm.com for more information or get in touch on Twitter or Facebook. This is brilliant. Show for sale. Show for sale. Okay, so Jurassic World then. You liked it. Yeah. When it came out, you loved it. Yeah. And then did it sort of wear off a bit? It did. Um, The first time I watched it, um, I was kind of, I dumbed myself down a bit and I didn't pay attention to all the kind of silly things that, would make you know a non-fan question why 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 things like running in heels and the camouflage dinosaur and you know the traps it was making and stuff like that but when i actually watched it in a cinema as someone a lot more like agreeable with popcorn silliness than than you are most of the time yes um the t-rex and the velociraptor teaming up to beat the indominus rex ah is that a spoiler um a little bit. The the fight scene. Let's at move the end. on. Yeah. Yes. I was a bit nonplussed about Jurassic World, and I wonder if I can't remember which way around it was. When did Force Awakens come out? Uh, Force Awakens came out in the December before? after Jurassic after. World. Yeah, Jurassic World okay. came out in July of that year. I because think. I was kind of a, with one or the other, I was trying to bit wary of these soft reboots that were. Popping mm. up. Um, see, my problem with... Uh, yes, I was a bit disappointed. My problem with Jurassic World 
wasn't so much the stuff people didn't like. The high heels, whatever. That's fine, whatever. I don't care. Uh, popcorn stuff, yeah, whatever. I don't care. What I didn't like was the... It was so tight on following the beats of Jurassic Park that it sort of didn't make any sense. I don't think the children were necessary. No. They, no. All they really do, story-wise, is it forces... I can't even remember her name now. Bryce Dallas Howard's character. It forces her to, to sort of not do her day job, but she does just do her day job. Yeah. So I don't really understand. If she was taking up the Sam Neill role and actually like taking them on trips... That made more sense. But she sort of just dumps them on a nanny. She ruthlessly shoes them away. Um, and then just goes on and gets on with the plot anyway. Yeah. And as the female lead continues to screw up every single thing she does, which is not very good for uh, for the role of like the apparently powerful woman, she is causing all these problems with her wrong decisions. Well, yeah, and I mean, all that really needed to happen was that she would go and see Chris Pratt, all that nonsense, the romantic nonsense, uh, and then go and see the Indominus Rex, it escapes, they go track it down. Hmm. That's all they needed, but they had to crowbar in these kids running yeah, around. Yeah. And can I just, the older kid particularly, I can't say the word that I want to say, <laughs> he's just a creep, he's a slimy creep. He's just, he's sad that he has to leave his girlfriend behind, and then he just, Creeping on other girls, yeah. isn't he, when they're in the queue? Which I guess is realistic for the age, but like, yeah. you're trying to make a sympathetic... I don't want him to live. Yeah. And the other kid... Uh, unnecessary. No. Unnecessarily whiny. No. He has one good piece of advice at the end, which helps them, but... it Also, there's a... I've got into arguments about this before. The Jurassic Park theme hmm. is iconic, yeah. right? In Jurassic World... They just sort of put it in. Yeah. It just turns up. They're on a train going into the world, Jurassic World, and it just sort of comes on, it just starts when it's looking at the little boy. Have you noticed that before? Yeah, that's all right, isn't it? Well, it's a bit grand for looking at a kid looking out a window. Yeah, but that is the sense of wonder. You put yourself as he a kid. He doesn't look particularly wonder. That's because struck. he's a terrible actor. Yeah, well, maybe that's the problem, yeah. But it should have like he should have arrived at the gates and then you hear the music. Yeah. Instead, it's just sort of lazily strolling past. I guess when you compare that scene to Sam Neill, Doctor Grant getting out of the, just standing up in his jeep in the first yeah, movie, yes. and twisting, um, I can't remember her name, Laura, Laura Dern. Dern's head around, and they see that magnificent Brachiosaurus for the first time. And it's the first dinosaur you see. That is perfect. To the split yeah, seconds. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's still quite, uh, you know, you watch it now with all... Yeah, it's genuinely moving. Yeah. But yeah, Jurassic World, yeah, didn't really do it for me. It was fun having Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard yeah. doing, you know, Indiana Jones stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, that was fun. The ending's fun. The mm. nanny, we've talked about this before. Oh, God. The nanny Poor, poor nanny. Uh, how on earth? She deserved that treatment at the yeah. end. Jeez. It's brutal. Yeah. She doesn't do anything wrong either. All she's doing is trying to look after two extremely disobedient teenagers yeah. who are making their lives, her life a nightmare. She loses them during what must be the most traumatising event she's ever experienced in her life. Right. Monsters flying all over the place. Yeah. And, <sighs> Completely acceptable behaviour. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, wrong. Evil. Evil, yeah. evil. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, then we come on to Jurassic World 2. Fallen Kingdom. Yeah. Starts brilliantly. The start is fantastic. The start's like a horror movie. Yeah. The very start. The way the T-Rex rears its head with the thunder flash is a uh, lightning flash. is absolutely brilliant, I think. Yes, absolutely. Everyone's favourite character popping up. Well, no, we got really quite excited. It's interesting, despite... I think it's safe to say that Lost World's probably the least liked of the franchise. Yeah, which I completely disagree with. I love Lost yeah, World. Well. Yeah, well. But the, there is a Lost World vibe about this one. Yeah. Jurassic World is definitely aping off Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jurassic World 2 is definitely aping off Lost World. It's the it's the baddies, isn't it? It's the, yeah. the group of um, armed baddies with their um, post-in-gen equipment capable of yeah. shipping dinosaurs and kidnapping them and... 
I mean, to summarise, yeah, that's what it is. It's the corporation. It's, it's, it's it? the island from the first film, mm. and they're going back on with a group of hunters. Yeah. Uh, to try and save them because of a volcano's gone off. Yeah. Why? Why? Uh, why, 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 why has they put a theme park on a dormant <laughs> volcano that is really, really close to to going off? I mean, yes, that is a very good point. Unless uh, they, they did it. Did it. Mm. I yeah, Dr- Jurassic World Two has one of the most gut wrenching scenes from any film. And I won't spoil it, but it is nice. beautiful and sad and awful all at the same time. And it's no, I don't think, I can't think of a scene more poignant than that, other than the aforementioned first seeing of the Brachiosaurus in the first. Yeah, film. it's without a doubt. It got me. Yeah. Do you know what got me? It got. It's not just the heroes reacting. It's the baddies. The as well. baddies are just as like. Oh, oh my god! Yeah. yeah. And that and the music swells and yeah that that is a yeah. hell of a scene. Yeah. Um, in fact, Back it's a shame course. that it sort of that isn't the end of the film. Yeah. Because <laughs> after that, it goes all Scooby Doo, doesn't it? Yes. Yes. It the, the it's one of the the thing smiles at the camera. The Indominus Raptor. Uh, it smiles at one point. I didn't mind that. Oh, it. Really... I didn't mind that. I thought it was alright. Oh, I hated it. I mean. I, it's hard to talk about this because there are spoilers here. Mm. Um, the little girl. Oh I'm, yes, I'm glad. Thanos. I'm very glad she didn't do some acrobatics and save the day. No, I'll say that. But, but equally, she was completely and utterly pointless in yes. every single way. Yeah. <laughs> Words out of my mouth. Yeah. Mm. And we talked about this before. The what makes Jurassic Park one the original so poignant, so relevant is it's not about dinosaurs. It's about a man learning to become a father. Yeah, absolutely. It does, it's the Spielberg trick. It's it's boiling fantasy stories down into emotional things that you can uh, understand. Hmm. Um, what the films forget is that. Yeah. Like, I think... I want to say that every film gets worse, but it's probably not the case, but... Every film seems to become more and more about the dinosaurs and the effects. Yeah. And it loses that emotional core. Do you know, it's a problem in cinema in general. I mean, if you think of all the soft reboots and the revisits and the sequels that have happened recently, Star Wars has never hit the mark. It's always felt messy. Mm -hmm. It's never just been whole. I mean, Blade Runner aside, 2049, that's probably the only... Fantastic oh, one I can think of off the top of my head. That ending is is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. No, I but, agree. You know, then you know, think of the nearest Ghostbusters movie, which was <laughs> less said about that the better. Yes, indeed. Yeah. In summary, Jurassic Park as a franchise. If you love dinosaurs and you have the ability to turn your brain off at certain occasions, it's absolutely the franchise for you, and I couldn't recommend it more. And I love them. Yes. Yes, and I think each one's becoming slightly more popcorny. Yes, and slightly less good. They're making it a challenge for us to like, and we will overcome <laughs> yeah. these challenges, no matter what. I just wanted to say that I'm really, really a bit upset about the Adam's review of my film Velvet Jigsaw. I thought it was really good. But he said it wasn't really very funny. It wasn't funny enough. I just think you should know that I'm a very, very funny person. I have a brilliant sense of humour. I don't really know any jokes. But people do tend to laugh at me a lot. So I guess that means I'm really funny. I just guess I'm a bit offended. Because I put so much effort into that film. And then all I have to do is go on the stupid radio show. Yes, sir.
<laughs> Do, are you familiar with a TV tropes? TV tropes is an informative and wonderful website which tells you about all sorts of TV and film tropes. Yes, it is. Have you used it? Do you know it? Have you been on it? Yeah, I went on it. Yeah, it's all right. It's quite good. I um, I got a bit obsessed with it back in the day when I first discovered it because it's just so much on there. And then I sort of lost interest. But it's, uh, to people who are familiar with it, it's it's like an encyclopedia of uh, things that happen in film, TV, comics, literature, all that good stuff. Do you know what I like about it is it will give you an example of a trope that you hadn't even realised and you'll instantly think, oh my God, that's in everything. Yeah, no, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, one that comes to mind, because they also sometimes make witty names for it. Uh, one that comes to mind that comes up a fair amount, Heroic Blue Screen of Death, or Heroic Basod, which is the moment in a story when the something so bad happens that the hero just snaps and loses it and goes mental. For example, Mad Max. The original right. Mad Max. Family get wiped out in the roar of an engine... And he loses his mind. He turns into Mad Max rather than just Max. Um, And you can see it all over, all the time. I almost wait for it now, especially in Marvel films and stuff. So when people have a loss, they lose their... their, Well, or something happens. Maybe they witness a bad thing. Right, like the Punisher or something. Yeah. His family gets killed, so he goes on a rampage. Well, that's the extreme version. There's, There's less extreme versions, like Captain America, something happens with his buddy Bucky and he goes right that's it right okay okay yeah proper proper trope so let's test each other okay cool this in the industry is called filler random trope I'm going to put the random trope button on I'm going to tell you the title and you're going to tell me what it is okay okay let's go random trope button activate better be a good one activating okay suddenly significant rule Suddenly significant rule. You can't do this, otherwise this will happen. So, scream, gremlins, mm. that sort of thing. You can't you be right back, that sort of thing. Don't say that, don't have sex, don't Think drink. Think more literal. The T-Rex's vision is based on movement, so you can't... I don't know. Mm. More, don't more, know. more literal than that. So, what it is, is uh, a rule or law that's mentioned... Okay. Doesn't really come up much. No one thinks about it. And suddenly, it's the most important thing ever. Okay. So, Robocop. Okay. Robocop, there's the fourth rule, which is must obey all OCP orders. Right. Yeah, okay, fine. It's an OCP product, so it's fine, makes sense. But then it becomes suddenly significant when he can't arrest the corrupt OCP executive. Okay. Yeah? So it's a little foreshadowy. It's like, it's sort of mentioned almost as an afterthought. You know it's there. And oh my God, it's the main thing. Yeah. Episode, yeah, yeah. Chekhov's law. Right. I guess. Right, you do one. Similar to the nut allergy in that film we don't want to talk about. Shut up! Which is now, which is now available on Amazon Prime. Uh... Go to Amazon Prime and watch Hereditary. You'll regret it. (laughs) Oh, Oh. you'll regret it. You've got a you've got a good one. Okay. Bug war. Bug war. Bug war. Bug war. Bug war. <laughs> bug war. Bug war. It's the happiest I've seen you. The bug war. Starship troopers. Yeah, it's a picture. <laughs> picture is a bug war. So okay, humans versus giant scary bugs. Also in ants when they fight the termites. Because <laughs> the ants are like humans and the termites are horrible, evil, scary things. Yeah, any war fought between humans and an insectoid race or any other clearly inhuman enemies, generally the battle is at some point in the future. Awesome. Oh, there's a quote. The historians can't seem to settle whether to call this one the third space war or the fourth, or whether the first interstellar war fits it better. We just call it the bug war. Yeah. From Juan Johnny Rico, Starship Troopers. Or a better quote from him. I'm from Buenos Aires, and I say kill them all! Yeah! Yeah! Yes! Bug war, bug war, (laughs) bug war. Right, next one. But we're not going to be bug war. No, we're not. We're not going to be bug war. But let's try it. Okay. Strapped to a rocket. So, uh, someone is strapped to a rocket, like Woody in Toy Story. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Is that it? (laughs) That is it, yeah. Uh, 
There's a picture of Wonder Woman. Oh, she's very sexually strapped to that rocket. There's a lot of innuendo there. Yeah. Sister trope who's strapped to a bomb. Nice. Yeah, and there's Toy Story. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Okay. Cool. That's so they're not all uh, hard. That was fun. Give me one back. Okay. Bug war, bug war, bug war. <laughs> Let's just talk about bug war more. Glove snap. Oh. Oh, so that's that's the surgeon. Yeah. Yeah. That's easy. Do another one. Some of them, TV tropes is sometimes very vague and sometimes very specific. Play along at home. Erotic dream. I wonder what that is. That's ridiculous. Okay, I'll keep going. Catch and return. Catch and return. Oh, so that'd be someone throws a snowball, you catch it and you throw it back. Or is it Father and the Son playing catch in the garden? You grab the weapon that's been hurled and fling it straight ah, back at the attacker. It's all in the reflexes. Yeah. And in the mummy returns. He catches the knife and then flings it back. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. TV tropes. Yeah. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Bug war. You have one message. Message one. Hey, Screen Bucket. It's uh, Matthew McConaughey here. And I just wanted to let you know that I have really, really nice nipples. I don't know if you've ever seen my nipples. I've got them out occasionally in the odd film, but my God. The center of the nipple is small, yet always erect. It's an off-brown with a reddy tinge that I think really complements the rest of my skin tone. And there's the odd hair, but they're not really that invasive. I'd say that my nipples are definitely the best I've ever seen on a man or a woman. In fact, if I were to describe the perfect woman, they would have my nipples. Hair and all. I have such wonderful nipples, and I would like the world to know via you guys at Screen Bucket that I am the Nipple King. Nay, the Nipple God. If you could please broadcast that out. And if anyone wants to see a picture of my nipples, well, you know where to find me. Truly yours, Matthew McConaughey. Horicon. More, Hor- more Horicon. More Horicon. Yeah, we're going to keep flinging them out. Yeah. Um, one of my favourite cult actors was present. I initially went with the intention of getting a picture of him or something. Yeah, but... Cues. And money. Cues, money, no. Yeah. <laughs> but what we did get a freebie of was a Q&A session. Yes. And in he came, like a golden Christmas decoration, <laughs> glittery and tinselly, with aviators on, or some form of high-end sunglasses. I have to say, he fit my vision of him to a T. Absolutely. That was what I imagined a mental Hollywood person would look like. 100%. Yes. When he sat down and started talking, he was much more charming than I expected. Very charming, very likeable, very nice. Very humble as well. Very humble. And also, I noticed that he almost sounded British. Yeah. I wonder if he was, like, emulating the interviewer. Yeah, perhaps. Like, just puts on these things. Actoring. Yeah, yeah. No, he was really interesting. And his insight into some of the films he worked on was really quite yeah. impressive. He talked about one which was... he. F- Flew over to Spain and it was all Spanish cast and crew called The Birthday, which yes. I'd never heard of before. No, no one had. And it's one of his proudest projects. And he was talking about how it was set in America, so he had to kind of help them with American culture to sort yeah. of make the film more real, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool. But now it's still, you can't really find it anywhere. No. He, you... he recommended we go to Amazon.de, the yeah. German, German Prime site to watch it. Yeah. And that was prompted by an audience question, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and he, he asked, stick your hands up if you've, if you've heard of this film, and they were the only two people. Yeah, and he said, well, marketing team. Yeah. Mm. Um, it was interesting hearing about his experience on The Burbs. Yeah, he didn't enjoy it. He hated it. Not so much because of the environment, but because he felt outclassed. That's the vibe I got. So he was working with some really, like, quite Tom famous... Hanks. That's the big one, isn't it? Yeah. Some of which had done Saturday Night Live or something like that, and they were just laying out zingers like nothing. And it, yeah. And Corey, what have you got? Mm. I don't know. I'm playing a stoner. Yeah, I act. All yeah. I do is act. Yes. But during the audience questions, I put my hand up, and the man, the man running the show, he pointed at me, but Corey already started talking to someone else. Yeah. Which is the worst thing because I had the ultimate question. What were you going to ask? I was going to ask. Corey, 
How much involvement did you have in Ascension Millennium? Uh, you weren't aware of it until earlier, were you? No, so Adam just showed me Corey Feldman's music uh, career in one video. <laughs> um, a single shot, four minute, four and a half minute uh, day in the life of Corey Feldman. He wakes up in bed with one gorgeous woman and then another gorgeous woman appears in another room. He walks them downstairs to like a pool party and he, via Sean Astin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's <laughs> pouring over a map and then uses an inhaler, Alagoonies. And then um, very badly choreographed moves. Some weird Michael Jackson bit where no one's doing the same thing. No, everyone's doing a different dance. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to do one take, fair enough. You might have to do it a few times. Did they just do it once? Yeah, they did. <laughs> the camera's constantly going out of focus. There's a bit when they first go outside where the kid's head is halfway off the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The and camera doesn't know where it's pointing yeah. at. Yeah. Then he makes a, someone makes a chef with a chef hat is in his kitchen, <laughs> yeah. makes him some egg, and he sits and watches the TV and then goes up to bed with the woman. Oh, via oh, a green screen room where he's playing with his band who look bored. Yeah. Bored and disinterested. They're not on the stage. Yeah, the stage in the background. <laughs> yeah, what? So I wanted to ask Jim how much creative involvement he had in that. And we'll never know. No. Never know. But we will know what the song sounds like. Play it. Ascension Millennium. Screen bucket on Northart FM. Beep boop. Millennium. Ascension, David! <laughs> Good song, isn't it? Yeah. It's freaking brilliant song. It's really, it's annoyingly catchy. Yeah. It's actually on one of my playlists, it's that catchy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no idea what they're talking about. Needs the subtitles. Need the subtitles. Uh, yeah. I mean, the video is just unbelievable. But anyway, yes, that's our show this week. We talked about Jurassic Park, all of them, which reminds me of your... Of, not, uh, I've been watching Futurama on uh, Amazon Prime, and now I just think of Jurassic Park. Oh, no, no, no. No need for that show to... It was the worst thing yeah. that's ever happened in animation. Did you ever see the Futurama where, at the end of the... You know, the opening credits always have a message, a different message. Oh, yeah. Episode, oh, and then said, sorry for the... Sorry about the one with the dog. <laughs> yeah. That was unbelievable. <sighs> I When I watched that with uh, my brother, I walked out of the room and went, you're crying. And then he looked at me and went, <laughs> Robert, I know you're hiding your face from me. You're crying. And I was like, shut up. That's the name. It's so properly awful. Um, Amazon Prime is blowing out the water at the moment. So Futurama, I noticed, was all on there. So I binged all that. South Park's now on there. South Park, yes. That's why we played the quiet mountain town at the beginning of the show. Not sure we mentioned it. But yeah, South Park's all on there. Go and watch it. Yes, go and watch the best. The one that started it all. It's incredible. And there's stuff in there that I forgot about. And now I know where I got that voice from. You know, stuff like oh that. Oh, my God, yeah. Well, you go, the, the further you go back, the more um, creative comedy there is and the less sort of cultural comedy. Mm. So there's actually, and I don't know, they still have a lot of that in the newer South Park, but there's some occasional classic episodes where the humour is out of this world. And it's inspired me my entire life. Well, we're the perfect age for South Park. Yeah, I was eight when I started. Exactly. We were the yeah. age of the kids when it first came out. Mm. So by now, it's like we've grown up with it properly. I wonder what effect... Because it had a huge, huge social effect on me as a kid. I think uh, people were talking about South Park in the school playground the same way I think older kids probably talked about Simpsons. Yeah. Because it was... Because uh, someone was saying that the Simpsons, people watched it because... Bart said, damn. Right. That was like a big deal because I was swearing. Ugh. Oh, wow. And then bloody South Park comes along. There's all sorts of other stuff going I on. I mean, so much. There's anal probes in the first episode. First episode, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, it probably did have a bigger impact on us than... We realise. Yeah. don't know if it did me any good. It didn't mature me. It just gave me a bigger vocabulary, I think. Yeah. But... Uh, having said that, Stan always had a message. I've, it was quite moral. Like, you know, I've learned something today. Kind of did teach you a bit about right and wrong. Also, uh, there's a lot of like quite highbrow humour and references to clever things. Like, even the film heavily references Les Miserables. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. You know, uh, there's a whole generation of people who probably wouldn't have heard of that. if. Uh... 
Yeah, and they do that unscrupulously. They love. They will do it relentlessly because oh, they, they, they it. find it's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they find they, they love something. They'll put it in it. Like everything from there being a Mad Max poster in. Yeah. Is it Stan's room? Stan's room. Stan's yeah, yeah, room. Yeah. yeah. yeah like, Did you ever see yeah. Cannibal the Musical? No, is that the Troma one? That's what Trey and Matt did before doing animation. Yeah. They made a low-budget horror film, comedy horror film, uh, which got picked up by Troma eventually. Right. Uh, but because it made no money, they tried the other thing they did. Right. Kind of thing. And yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, interesting. So they loved musicals from the start. They loved musicals from the start. They loved acting. And that carries over from the South Park movie, Bigger, Longer and Uncut, which is a musical... Team the, America has a thousand songs in it. Isn't and then, the first South Park musical as well? Snowman versus Frozen Jack versus Santa. Or whatever oh, it was. yeah. Like before. Yeah, South yeah, Park. yeah. No, it was Jesus versus Santa, wasn't it? it? Jesus versus Santa, I think. I'm pretty sure that was a musical. Because that's where, what Brian Bottano do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Came from. Anyway, sorry, we'll just have a little chat. I had a little dreidel. I made it out of clay. But I'm not going to play with it because... Where can they find us, Rob? Oh, God, you're doing it again. Come uh, on. So follow us on Twitter at Screen Bucket at North Hearts Radio. Screen underscore bucket. At Screen underscore bucket. Yep. At North Hearts Radio. Yes. North Hearts Radio, the new name the of new North name. Hearts FM. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you can now also find us on Patreon. Yes. Uh, Patreon.com slash Hollowdale Media. Yes, uh, Patreon is our way of trying to get a bit more support for what we do. It's a very expensive hobby. Yep, uh, and we'd like to keep going, really. So, yeah, if you like what you hear, do check out Patreon.com/slash Hollowdale Media. If you like what we do, just throw us some spare change; It'd be lovely. I mean, there's going to be a heap load of exclusive content coming your way through the Patreon. Yes. Yeah, so, um, Stream Bucket in particular, we've got a Stream Bucket. The night shift. Where we can say naughty things. Naughty things. Yes. It's unedited, uncensored, and... Uh... It gives us a chance to spread our wings and delve into some more adult themes. Yes, indeed. Uh, obviously no music, but it's just a nice bit. Big lump of chat. Yes. Mm. Please, cool. Please uh, listen. Indeed. So, can I leave you with a song now? This is a song from Apocalypse Now, because the Apocalypse Now final cut came out last week, and it was incredible! I feel bad as a fan of film for not having gone seen that. I feel like I've let the side down. So good. Honestly, there are some bits in there that were obviously removed for good reason. There's a Mm. whole bit of the French. It's not needed. It just slows the film down. Right. Just that plodding along, and then... Trying to walk through mud, uh, and then carries on again. So yeah, but incredible and amazing seeing it in IMAX as well. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, and hearing this song, yeah, it stuck with me. It does have a bigger impact when you're watching the cinema with those big old IMAX speakers. Wow. Sorry, uh, rubbing it in. Great. <laughs> Fantastic. See you in a fortnight, everyone. See you in a fortnight. <laughs>